Hello, everybody, and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don, as usual, and also returning guest Big Dave. And today we're going to be talking about our favorite stand-up comedians. Each of us have picked two, at least two. I'm going to kind of cheat. I got three here because one of them is a little obvious. So who wants to start? Maybe Dave, you want to start with one of your picks? Hey, sounds good. Um, Thanks for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. Obviously, I'm going to pick number one. He's sort of a meme on Twitter now, but Norm MacDonald, Canadian, very dry, pretty much the basis of uh, a lot of my, the humor that me and my buddies always thought we were similar, that dry humor. Uh, when he was on a weekend update for SNL, that, that to us was like the the greatest thing ever. Like when we saw Norm MacDonald, we never heard of him before then, but when we saw him on a weekend update and he would do the OJ jokes, yeah, it would just blew our minds that somebody was was doing jokes like that, and it was just like, okay, now this, this is this is funny to us, like you know, not like the typical you know, Cajun man or uh, Goat Boy or whatever. Like those guys were funny and stuff on SNL, but when Norm yeah. did his Weekend Update, it was it just blew our minds. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah. uh, read his book? Uh the the fiction one. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Oh yeah, it's oh good. yeah, yeah. I, I I read the first maybe seventy pages or so. I don't know. I'm I'm still in it, but it's good. Yeah. So come on, what an easy read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a breeze, but like I just uh, I never get around to it. I don't know. So you're yeah. so busy, eh? Well, I mean, I just uh, <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got... yeah <laughs> no, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's good, and, and uh, yeah. Um, what do you think about like his kind of, I guess, uh, it, the meme on, on Twitter or whatever seems to be that like people don't like him because, uh, he's more conservative than, or like he at least associates with a lot of conservative people now. I don't know. That I seems to be part that, of it. That is, um, bro pair, Mike Sullivan had a big meltdown about like his joke saying like how evil and Norm McDonald is or something. I'm glad I hated you now or something like that. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> It's just like, who cares? As long as somebody makes you laugh, like, like I said before, like I don't know if we talked about it, like you know Howard Stern always talks about how he loves Israel and you know all that kind of stuff. But as long as you know, it's such a weird thing. Like he's not going to convince me to like Jordan Peterson. I don't know if he likes Jordan Peterson for real, Norm, or if it's just a yeah. joke. But. Mm-hmm. I know that Jordan Peterson's a psycho and I would never listen to him or, or whatever he has to tell me, but Norm makes me laugh so I can enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, the, he said that, Bro Pair said that, uh, um, sorry, what did you say that he said that I'm glad that I hated him? Or something. It was just this weird meltdown. Like, you know, he, he's been off Twitter for a while now, but. It was just this weird, like, really angry tweet about Norm, and it just cracked me up at the time. Yeah, that's just such a... I don't know, that that really says something about the way people respond to these things, where it's like, oh, I'm glad I was on the right side of things, because, you know, like, <laughs> you're you're yeah. happy that you hated someone who is now, like, I don't know. It's That's really ridiculous. Like, uh, um, Noel Gallagher, my, my favorite... One of my favorite musicians loves Tony Blair, hates Jeremy Corbyn, or you know some guys giving money to Trump that I like. You know, like who cares? 
it's uh, that's part yeah. of my philosophy, right? As long as you know the guy makes you laugh. But Norm is very like like you said, his book, his book is very interesting reading, and you can tell like he's a very heartfelt, introspective guy. And I can see some, you know, why he would be conservative in some areas, especially being in Hollywood and seeing like all the hypocrisy and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it is. But honestly, as long as he makes you laugh, he still makes good jokes. He doesn't say like, oh, you can't make fun of this. He still makes fun of like 9-11 and, and everything like yeah. that. The, the, you know, the sacred cow of uh, conservatives or whatever. You can't say that he's you know, off limits or whatever. It's just people are so dumb. And did you watch his show and listen to his podcast and all that? Go through all that? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. His YouTube show is just legendary. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> like, the first episode was the one with Super Dave. Super Dave was to, to Canadian. I don't know. Did did that show ever come in um, America? I I only know him from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay, so Super Dave, he had this crazy show in Canada, and I think it was written probably by the Smother Brothers, I think. I'm not sure, but he was like this weird stuntman that would like die and like, you know, get destroyed. And he had this weird Japanese sidekick called Suzuki uh, Honda, <laughs> I think. And like, it, it just was like the most retarded, crazy <laughs> out there show, but it was like perfect for the 80s. Like, just, yeah, I, I loved it. And then sure. so like, I never really watched Curb until after I saw him on on a Norm show, but just that episode, that first episode, is just so insane. Like the jokes that they make him read and everything like that. It was just probably one of the greatest mo- um, comedy moments in history for me. Yeah, yeah I love that show because he kind of goes through all the different. He talks to a lot of people that uh, you wouldn't really. You know they're they're great comedians and stuff, really funny people, a lot of them. But like yeah. they're not they're not necessarily the people you would have. I don't know, like just a just a standard sort of run of the mill podcast or something. So I think he had right. Carl Reiner on at one time or something, you know, yeah. stuff like that. that so good. and um uh oh he had like Larry uh, King on there. Yeah, yeah. Larry King. Yeah. Larry um, King was good. Uh, Steven, oh yeah, um, Stephen Merchant. Yeah, the yeah. Merchant episode was probably. Probably the other after Super Dave Merchant's episode was probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a YouTube channel that puts together clips from that show, and a lot of it is from the jokes, you know, the joke section yeah. with, and it's like from different guests and stuff. So that's kind of fun. Like I don't have to watch like a whole old episode, but I still kind of right. will see those joke things again. Yeah. And just they're fun. But just like his whole like. Uh, especially on YouTube, like the guys that put it together, the the stuff about like, he, he, he's like the greatest talk show guest. And t- to me that that's always been like, you know, made me laugh when he would like disrespect just about everybody, like like him and Conan have yeah, yeah. back and forth. And then the random guests that Conan would have, he would just totally disrespect them. And <laughs> yeah. you know, the chairman of the board one or whatever, you know, that girl from, I think she's from Melrose place. And she was in some movie with a uh, carrot top and uh, it was called chairman of the board. And like, you know, I was like uh, reference it as like, he would, you know, anybody who watched that movie would be super <laughs> bored, even though like she was on there, like, you know, trying to plug the movie. It's just yeah, yeah. great stuff. 
Yeah. Or when he was on The View or whatever it was called, the, the show at the time. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. And he comes out and he starts, like, saying that, like, Clinton killed Vince Foster <laughs> yeah. or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Then they I tried to make that, him, like, yeah. recant after the commercial break, <laughs> and he just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's honestly just such great TV. Yeah. And, uh, but you can also tell why he's like, I mean, he's got the, you know, he got Netflix money, I guess now, but like, uh, you can kind of tell why, uh, he had that period of, you know, uh, in the wilderness or whatever, you know, yeah, relatively. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, he's uninsurable basically, I guess is the thing, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Yeah. It's good to see him going strong today though. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, he's friends with pretty much all like the big sort of comics, but and then the people that he hates, he really hates, and people know about it. I think one of his best bits, if you ever like go through like uh, his uh, comedy, is like you know he he'll get to know people and try to find out <laughs> if they're gay, um, <laughs> <laughs> like Howard Stern stylist. Uh, his name is Ralph Sorella, and everybody thinks that he's gay, but he, he's always said he's straight. And Norm's like, uh, I had my hand on his lap for about two minutes, and he didn't move it. And he's like, Well, that means he's gay. Like, if, I, if, some, if some dude put his hand on my lap, I, I would have moved it right away. But Ralph just left it, and Ralph was like, I, I thought it was just some weird bit or something. You know, it's just, it's just super yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to maybe move on to uh, uh, one of our first ones? How about Tom? Do you want to yeah. do yours? Yeah, sure. Okay. So the first one that I wanted to talk about was Patrice O'Neill. I know that's maybe oh, an right. obvious pick for anyone who knows me, but I feel like I just kind of have to go with that. He was so good. Yeah. Patrice mm-hmm. was, I think he's, uh, one of the best like ever. He's just so hilarious, both in his like stand-up routines. He has prepared material, but a lot of the best stuff that I've—I never got to see him live or anything. But the best stuff that I've seen, like on YouTube and all that, was when he was just kind of like doing crowd work or just improvising off of something or whatever. And uh, you can really see that on his Opie and Anthony stuff. I mean, thankfully we have like hours and hours of him on Opie and Anthony, so there's just like an endless well of material, but, uh, I don't know how many times I'm ever since he died, you know, I've been thinking like, Oh, I want to hear what Patrice would have to say about this or about that. You know, like just imagining him here today with Corona and Trump and all this kind of stuff. It would just be really interesting to see what his point of view would be. But, uh, yeah, he's just really unique. I definitely don't like agree with the way he thinks about things, but I always like to see how, he looks at things because from his perspective, it's kind of like uh, he has some logic, right? And it, it's mm-hmm. always funny. Yeah. And it, it's uh, he's an he was an intelligent guy, but uh, also just a very like a different person, you know. Just a, no one was like him, and I don't think we're ever going to see anyone exactly like him. So, and it's interesting. Like I, I was listening to um, on Gervais. Bill Burr was on with uh, Gervais on this one. Um, uh, serious show that that oh that Gervais Ricky, Ricky right? Gervais does. It's um, like who's Gervais? <laughs> that's his name. Is that him and Patrice and a few of these guys? They were all from Boston. They all come up together, and so like 
a few of them, like, I, I don't know, a few of the white guys now that you think, like, woke people don't really like Bill Burr either. I don't think they think he's probably a racist or whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah, Bill Burr is awesome. Yeah, Bill Burr is really funny. But but he, he came up in that same sort of crew with Bill Burr, and it just totally yeah. blew me away when I heard, heard this, like, this conversation. It was Bill Burr and another guy from Boston, but I can't remember his name now. There's a, there was a really weird crew, that Boston crew. It was, like, Dane Cook yeah. and Joe Rogan. Exactly, Dane Cook, Joe Rogan. Yeah. But, um, the other guy with them that day, I can't remember. He's, like, a, more of a no-name guy, but he's okay. still buddies buddies with them but he was talking about like how like patrice o'neill was part of the crew coming up and it was just it was really interesting what do you think like um his interactions like not so much with um opie and anthony but him and norden yeah that that was pretty wild like they they definitely were different people like i don't know how to how to explain what i'm saying but they they're not like your typical cut in the wool just you know, depressed comedians. They were, they were Mm -hmm. different guys. Mm -hmm. And then the two of them together really added up up to something special. I think a lot of times, like I I will go back and watch uh, or listen to that clip of them talking about like independence day and face off like all the time. That that just cracks me up. And uh, I mean, he had good rapport with like a lot of different people with Louis CK and, um, even with like Anthony, like Anthony Cumia yeah. and Nick DiPaolo, him and Nick DiPaolo going back and forth on like yeah. racial, like politics and stuff is so funny. <laughs> so uh, funny. Colin DiPaolo Quinn. Came a total uh, Quanon guy, Q- QAnon or whatever. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's kind of, shouldn't be that surprising, but yeah, that's funny. He had a, he had a really, he had a show on um, Sirius for a while. I'm a serious guy. I'm old. I'm, I'm in my car all the time, so I get serious. But uh, he just went off the the deep end about like you know like I don't know if if it was Hillary Clinton or something like that. But he just went off one day and you know talking about Agenda 22 and stuff like that. And the next day he was gone. <laughs> he should come on our show. He's talking about all the same stuff. <laughs> he was great on tough crowd i i think like he like nick is is very funny um it kind of goes back to your point about like you don't have to agree with someone's politics to think they're funny like Mm -hmm. those are separate things and oh yeah it's i think it's great when someone has a kind of political bent that i don't agree with but they can still make me laugh like i don't think any comedian i i share my politics with them you know what i mean so like that's not what i'm listening for and it's really it's it's so dumb that it's become uh such an important thing for people that they that the entertainers that they watch share their politics and are like you know posting all the same kind of thing on social media or whatever like just Mm -hmm. that's not that's not what it's for you know do you think that he would have uh been able to Sort of like how would he, do you think he would have sort of dealt with this new reality where uh, you kind of get slotted in either this sort of uh, you have to fit the left wing sort of model all the way down or you have to sort of reject it but then kind of you know in the in the model you kind of reject it but then kind of buy into its own little package of beliefs I feel like he wouldn't be able to you know I mean he would try to navigate between that I think maybe he would kind of be lumped in immediately by the sort of woke crowd as being you know far right maybe or whatever in their in their mind but then i feel like he wouldn't he wouldn't fit there right he wouldn't he wouldn't really 
Uh, yeah, he um, wouldn't have a lot of friends over there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, like, I, I have a feeling that he probably would not support Black Lives Matter. Um, that's just, like, a feeling I get. I, I think he would be supportive of the goals, but then not support the movement itself. And there's a fair number of black celebrities that kind of adopt that stance. I think he would kind of find a space to be like that. I'm not sure what he would do with Corona. I feel like he might, cause he was like, he was getting into Alex Jones and Illuminati kind of level conspiracy theory stuff. And I don't know if, if he would have stayed at that point or kind of, uh, you know, like gone through like a phase or something and kind of gotten over it. Cause I could see him be, being like an anti mask kind of guy, but also maybe not like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe who knows, but I think he'll, he'd get a lot more leeway. Black guys can say a lot more weird stuff and get away with it than white guys. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I walk yeah. that line a lot on Twitter. I, I can, I can say a lot more than some of you whiteies can. Yeah. Not canceled. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe that I'll transition to my first pick then, which would be Cat uh, Williams. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. yeah. Cat Williams um, is great. Because, uh, and I don't know if you ever listened to his albums, like actual things, but he, he, in some of them, he includes like little clips of him just chatting about comedy writing and stuff. Huh. Um, Cause I yeah, guess he's like, I mean, that's yeah. who's going to listen and uh, um, to the actual thing instead of you know they're they're usually the live taped performances whatever and then he just has a little thing about and it sounds like him just driving to the mall or something it's like kind of just recorded uh yeah. it, he's just driving around in his car or whatever talking about stuff and uh, it's funny because it's it's very it makes the, the album kind of uneven because he's got you know he's very high energy high power and then yeah. he kind of is he dips into this kind of talking about it and it's really worthwhile to listen to that because uh you can just tell how much it's it's interesting because he he puts so much effort and and energy and stuff in it, and I think he almost feels like amazed that other people around him don't do that. Like that's kind of his attitude a lot towards other comics and stuff. And uh, I mean, he's not like, you know, he obviously spins off and does stuff that he probably shouldn't a lot of the time. But like, uh, um, in the actual bits, you can just tell like it's just he goes anywhere that he wants with a lot of it, kind of thing. And then that's what's. Uh, that's what's interesting about it too, because you know he has like a he has like a bit, a long bit on one of his albums, uh, more recent ones, I think, about like atheism and how like atheism is the dumbest idea he's ever heard and stuff, and yeah. um, and just stuff like that. Like you would I never really that. get that from just like a I don't know, like if you come up the from like the UCB improv kind of stuff or something, you wouldn't have like a five ten minute bit about like how you know not believing in God is crazy or something. You know, like it just. You know, and then his most recent special for Netflix and stuff, he just, I think the first 10 minutes or so are just about Jacksonville, Florida. It's not, you know, it's like kind of just, just stuff like that where it's like, I, I really like that, but that's, I like, I like, you know, just entertainer kind of stuff. You know what I mean? He's like very much like there to make people laugh as hard as they can kind of thing. And, uh, I respect that at some level because, uh, you know, when I write jokes, it's mostly more like. Yeah, that's kind of funny or something. You know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> it's not it's not like someone buckling over crying or something. So yeah. Yeah, you're more of a far side kind of a style. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just that energy he has and everything and like you said, those skits where he talks about 
working on the jokes and he comes across so different like uh if you ever go into like his other interviews where he's like talks about how much he loves kids and he like has a million kids and he he um adopts more because he just loves kids and he just wants more kids and everything mm-hmm. he's a very different guy but you know that lived experience or or whatever and like just his whole like persona it's so cool like how somebody could can make that like i think like norm is very just himself patrice is himself whereas cat has the two personas right mm-hmm. you know the guy on the stage that's you know this pimp daddy at, at the, you know at, you know or whatever yeah uh, and then there's like the the guy that's off the stage like you know yeah. he works at his craft in a different way in that he builds this sort of you know totally different alter ego that goes out on stage whereas his real life he's totally different whereas yeah. the other guys you know patrice or norm it's sort of like their whole life they don't really switch off they're they're always kind of mm-hmm. you know same people yeah and just you know i mean even just physically like uh you know cat williams on stage he's just pouring sweat about halfway through all that <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Just, he's just uh he just so much puts into it and then uh yeah and i mean it's it's also funny he's he's willing to make fun of himself a lot too which is i mean yeah. it's sort of like uh it's necessary for his role a lot of like uh sort of maybe mainstream comics make fun of themselves a lot but not in sort of like a you know biting way or not like you know what i mean it's kind of like more like foibles of dating and stuff and you know like oh you know. i got a small dick or i'm so depressed or whatever but yeah, Cat yeah, yeah. Was different he like attacked himself yeah and he i mean he has that i think in uh after one of his kind of uh media explosion kind of things he he had like i think in his next special he said something like uh there's a lot going on in the world today and he goes there's a lot going on with me specifically kind of thing <laughs> yeah that's a, that's one way to put it yeah like yeah um but you made yeah. that joke um like how like i don't know like I would say would Cat Williams be the last guy that was like this very aggressive stand-up comic that you know like now like if any if one of those stand-up specials came out now like people would be like oh my god we got to lock this person away and he's evil like or something but like back in the eighties and nineties stand-up specials were so aggressive and angry yeah. and, and saying like you know I'm gonna kill my wife or something yeah you know? yeah like, yeah you know but, yeah. But, now it's very different like people would be really upset if that happened yeah i said that like if netflix a special nowadays it's like you know i i get anxiety at work and on dates <laughs> and with my uh you know when i uh at the store and all that just like a list of them and then i was like comedy cd in the 90s was like <laughs> you should be able to kill one woman in your life but only <laughs> once in your life <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty much where the yeah I don't know. There's this, there's this kid online. He's really funny. Thomas, uh, his Twitter is like Leon Killer or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Leno Killer, I think. Yeah, and he made that joke uh, two weeks ago that if you spend five hundred dollars at uh, Hooters, you should be allowed to kill one of the waitresses. <laughs> yeah. And people lost their minds. Honestly, yeah. like every like there was so many people that said that like oh wow this is typical most leftist like nobody even 
nose if this guy's leftist. They just say that, like, because he's They a always joke, say that. Yeah, it's always, always this like, is a typical leftist, like, oh, leftist is he? He just wants to kill a woman. That's that's his goal or something like that. It just, honestly, like, all the, all the replies to that are funnier than the actual tweet. Yeah. Yeah, you just, uh, it's, it's funny. Yeah, they don't, there's no subtext. There's no, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, People think that you're just directly calling for like female genocide or something. I don't know. It's like you know, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. But yeah, most people don't want to kill their waitresses, no matter how yeah restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to do maybe your uh, second, second one? Would be a uh, uh, Bernie Mac. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> Definitely, like, my favorite of all time would be Eddie Murphy, just because Raw and what were his two main ones? Delirious, yeah. Delirious and Raw were so amazing, and that sort of, you know, foundational of stand-up comedy. But I got into Bernie more after his uh, TV show. I never had heard about him. Mm -hmm. But it's Mm -hmm. a testament to, like, black people are just more funny than white people. Like, a white guy with the same rap as Bernie wouldn't be as funny. I don't think like he just had this flow and a rhythm, like all the stuff he said wasn't like, he doesn't just tee off joke after joke after joke. It's about the delivery and his personality and just the way mm-hmm. he it together to yeah. me. I love that. I just, you know, that larger than life person. I, I am scared of you motherfuckers. I'm scared of you. Like that to me was like, so I just really loved it. And all his stories were just so crazy and wild. Like, I don't know if like his TV show was built on that. I I probably don't even remember much of his TV show, but like his famous like comedy routine about like, you know, taking care of his sister kid because his sister is like probably a crackhead or something. And like, Family's different if you're black. You gotta take care of everybody's kids. If you're if you're mm-hmm. doing well, you gotta take care of the kids. And he's just so funny. Like I, I really, uh, it really made me understand like that idea of like attitude and bringing that all together and just having a story to tell more so than just joke after joke. Yeah. Um, have, have you seen the documentary about him? There's like a documentary that like. Uh... One of his relatives did, I think maybe his daughter or something, but, uh, um, and, uh, it's good because they've got like clips of a lot of people, um, talking about him and stuff. And he, cause he died when he was 50, I guess. So that's, yeah, that's pretty young. Down. And, and, um, uh, so it was funny because, uh, you know, they had little, a few little good stories in it. Like, uh, you know, he was in oceans 11 and, um, yeah, so that was like that. a, that was like a huge get for him, I guess. Cause he had like a few things that he was doing. Uh, um, you know, he would like he had a few things before that 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 were kind of pretty big and yeah. stuff that he did well in. Um, the big movie he did, which was, you know, it was pretty awful, but it's still funny. Um, he had his TV show, but Ocean's Eleven, he was it was so good, like his character, like yeah, hilarious, and it was just it was just like perfect casting. When he so what they were saying is that like uh, he said earlier in his career he would try to go get parts in Hollywood and stuff and like try to get like yeah. uh, roles. 
and they would say, uh, we don't like how you speak. They're like the, you kind of speak in a certain <laughs> mumbly kind of way of, cause he kind of, he kind of, he, you know, he does the yeah. little, says things very, very quickly and kind of mumbles it along and gets through yeah. it. And then, uh, um, and so they wanted him to speak differently and it never really worked, right? Like you never got the part because of that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. after Ocean's 11, they said that, uh, um, or like, and during that, they said, no, 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 don't change the way you speak because that's what we want. We want you, we want you doing you kind of thing. And right. that was kind of a funny transition point in it, I guess, right? Where it's like, uh, you know, you can't, <laughs> people are saying, you got to change, you got to change, you got to change. <laughs> and then one day they're like, no, 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 you're perfect at how you are kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. What? When do you think those big suits are going to come back from the Kings of Comedy tour? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> NBA drafts from 10 years ago? Sure. But, like, do you ever, uh, like, Bernard the Entertainer and all those guys from Kings of Comedy, Martin Lawrence, and all of them were funny. But, like, Bernie was just, to me, different. Like, just his, the way he could rap and, like, just talk about normal stuff and just make it funny. Like, just the way he, like, yeah. he could just start talking it it would just make me laugh just yeah his delivery was so funny like i i just was totally like you know every time i'll i'll throw on like one of his like skits or something and just just his delivery like always makes me laugh like i think that's a key part of all these people we've mentioned so far is like their delivery is what makes it like if you just read what they said on a piece of paper <laughs> without hearing it in their voice or whatever it just yeah. wouldn't work like even mm-hmm. someone like norm who's very understated compared to like bernie mac or cat williams like it it, that's what makes it work you know that's that's really important imagine like some guy from twitter uh, i don't know who does videos that i don't know maybe like say hassan piker the guy from young turks you imagine Mm -hmm. him reading some of norm's jokes like nobody would ever be like what the fuck right yeah that's Um, just a guy that popped into my head i don't know (laughs) this hassan uh it's okay. I, I don't don't get mad at Tom. <laughs> yeah, Turkish um, brothers got to stick together. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, he was good. And Bernie Mac was also good in, in Head of State. Like he 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 uh like that Chris Rock movie that kind of went nowhere, I yeah. guess. But like uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, he was a supporting like role. every Chris Rock with... movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It was a. It was a. It was funny. That was a funny movie. There was like a great scene, like the. Uh, that always stuck to me in my head is like when the white people heard that the uh, uh, black guy was going to win the presidency, they like the West Coast people because like <laughs> all the people in the West Coast, there was like this uh, uh, big stampede of people voting against the black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you got to think that like in two thousand three when it, when it came out around then, like it was still wild the idea of like a black president or something like right. it just didn't seem so a lot of the the jokes in the book i don't even know i mean in the movie don't i don't know if they it, i don't know i watched it again recently and it was so funny like there's a there's a speech in it that chris rock gives that like uh um it's 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 about like how uh you know like a populist left kind of speech that he gives yeah um definitely it's it's still better it's better done and better presented than 99 percent of uh actual liberal political speeches whatever you know right. so um was yeah it, um, john jewart in that one too um i can't remember isn't stewart like his like political guy i can't remember now i'm trying to... i don't think so no okay maybe he's i can't a different remember guy. um yeah so 
Uh, so yeah, Bernie Mac's my second guy. Yeah, I had I had one thing I wanted to ask you guys about Bernie Mac. You know the whole uh, "I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers" thing. Do you know the story behind that? There's a, there's kind of a cool story behind it. No, go ahead. Okay, so this I heard from a Donnell Rawlings appearance on a podcast or something like that. Yep. So I guess he was there. Donnell Rawlings is all, yeah, is hilarious and could go on this list of people for me. Um, so I guess this happened at a, uh, army base in Korea or Japan or something. I think it was Korea. And, uh, so what happened was they were slated to do two nights and, the guys on the base, they, you know, there wasn't a lot going on. So they showed up for the first night and they loved it. You know, Donnell was there. Uh, Bernie Mac was there. There's a few other guys. I think Doug Stanhope was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, they were going crazy. They loved it, right? Like they were really like dying for some entertainment and this like really fit the bill. So they loved it so much they came back the second night. But it, it was all the same people, right? It's all the guys from this. <laughs> army base and the comedians going up don't really realize that it's the exact same audience so they do all the same jokes and you know they're listening to this and they they kind of start booing and and after a while they start going really crazy and they're just like like just loudly booing over the top of the comics like they can't even get a word out through a microphone. That's how loud they are. And there's like a fight breaking out and it's just going completely crazy. Like people are throwing chairs and stuff like that. So Bernie Mac comes out there and that's where he does the whole, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. And then he starts doing his whole thing, you know, and, and that's, that's where they came from. And wow, he, he got him. He won him back. Like they, they, they loved what he was doing and they, they completely won him back. So that's pretty cool. I, I can see that. That's cause they, you know, Comics have like their forty-five minutes or or ten minutes or or whatever they, their time in their heads. They they don't have any room for anything else. So obviously, like you know, they're used to like you know, if you book the same city, there's always going to be a different crowd every night. It's not the same people coming back, but on a military mm-hmm. base, it's totally different. Yeah. Well, and also nowadays, uh, yeah, like there's no, there's no, you know, what I mean, there's there's pre-awareness of almost everything if they follow you on Twitter and have listened right. to your things and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of almost, uh, you know, like there's a comedian, Stuart Lee, who goes around UK and he does like uh, live shows oh, yeah. and he's, um, he's great. Yeah. And uh, um, he, he seems to, I mean, he does do TV stuff too, but he seems to really hate that this, this whole shift where uh, everything is already known ahead of time kind of thing and everything right. is. So he talks a lot about that, but yeah, I think yeah, I'll jump into my, uh, uh, second one on this that if that's cool like because uh, you mentioned Doug Stanhope and I wanted to yeah um, sure go ahead and uh, so Doug Stanhope is another one where uh, he was one of the first comedians that I listened to his albums and really was like oh this is just I like I, I it was one of the first things where with comedy where I was like I just got to listen to everything that he did and everything that like kind of influenced him or whatever kind of stuff I really I don't know I went with it but um and he, you know, I still think he's really funny, like on his uh, podcast and stuff. He has a whole uh, stuff about his shows overseas and stuff. Like a few of his episodes tell mm-hmm. those stories and stuff in detail. And um, uh, I didn't know about the the Bernie Mac part, but, I, you know, he talks a lot about 
I'm, uh, I know. may be wrong about Doug Stanhope being on there because Donnell yeah. told a few different stories, so I might be confusing sure. that. But. Well, I, I just know that he he, he, he with Bernie though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so his his albums are good because he's another person where he's like obviously trying to he's trying to get the crowd to laugh, like uh, most of them at least. Yeah. Like he's trying really hard to get them to go for it, kind of thing. Because uh, otherwise, uh, you know. I, that's the thing is that I think that if you're like an entertainer, like someone's come and paid to see you, you know, um, uh, you can't just do stuff that you think is smart that uh, doesn't, you know, make them think it's hilarious kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there's sort of like a contract there where you're like, okay, well, uh, if I'm, you know, even, you know, even if I'm some army private or whatever, maybe not, maybe not army private for Doug Stanhope, but like, you know, if you're some a person that doesn't have a media career or something and is just a random sort of civilian person in their in that mind kind of thing you know like then uh you, you yeah you want to be able to show up laugh and if you think a bit beyond that that's fine but so he's great with that because he you know he'll go gross out stuff and, and go all mm-hmm. over and stuff and um that's i don't know i really like that because it's like uh i still think he's really you know he's one of those people that takes ideas and kind of pushes them in strange attractions and but he also does a lot of the funny sort of like life stories like thing that things that happen to right. him and stuff and pulls them in strange directions and stuff i don't know he he just seems like a nice sort of like he's like he at a very very early age he decided that he knew what he wanted his life to be and he's just made it that you know yeah. where he's like yeah. i'm gonna go on the road i'm gonna do a bunch of drugs i'm gonna um <laughs> drink a lot whatever like i'm gonna I'm going to just have fun and uh, live in Bisbee, Arizona or whatever. And that's what, that's what my life is. And that's, that's good enough for me kind of thing. I don't know. I think a lot of other people, you know, they strive beyond that. And yeah. Is he still together with that, that crazy girl Bonzo or, or something? His name was, I can't remember from. Stern. Bingo. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think like his uh, one appearance on Stern where he talked about, his mom dying and the going away party they had for her really like affected me like like deeply like it was really like they they like she had this bad cancer and like she was gonna die a horrible death so she wanted to go and they helped her with i guess morphine or whatever and they had this big party in his house and it was just a big celebration of her life and everything like that and it was Honestly, it's like one of the few times, like you know, when you're you're driving around listening to the radio and you're just like so engrossed and you're totally like feeling for the guy, and it was was really affected me. Like I, I still think about it all the time. I, it's yeah, a really interesting story, and if you can ever find it on YouTube, uh, look it up. It's really you know a guy that really loves his mom. And it was a hard thing, and, but he still did it and made it funny. And like the way he talked about it, yeah, he's just he's just, just an amazing guy. Yeah, yeah, I think he did that. Uh, like he told that story and kind of made it in, into his act, like in uh, Beer Hall Putsch or whatever. Yeah, one of his albums, he does it. Yeah. It's like his closing bit it goes on for sure. like ten minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, um, I never heard that, but I just heard the that's stern interview but sure. it was it was really good like everybody's yeah. listening to it. 
everything I've heard about Doug Stanhope, like as a from his personal life, makes him sound like he's a really good, generous person. Like he has this apartment somewhere, I think in New York, that he like bought or rent is has been renting for forever. And he just kind of loans it out to other comedians that are, you know, because right. they're like struggling right. and stuff. And so he's just mm-hmm. always helping people out and stuff like that. I don't know. Like I, yeah. I really appreciate but, that there's that side to him. And he's not like, he doesn't talk about that either. Right. Like he's not yeah, like, no. yeah, he's definitely like a genuinely nice guy, but he's like his, 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 his comedy is so cutting and funny too, but at the same time, like, mm-hmm. right. And he's not trying to defend his comedy with that, like, Look, I'm exactly. actually a nice guy, kind of a thing. Like he just does that because it's the right thing to do. That's the right thing, and I think like so many people need to take a lesson from that. That you can be a nice person and still say crazy things on uh, as a joke, right? Right? You know, like it's not cut and dried. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, that really drives me crazy. And and vice versa, you can publicly say all the right things and then be like a, a really nasty like bad person yeah, in like your... Ellen or whatever right like everyone yeah. that's ever worked with her you know kind of thing but well uh, yeah I, I i said this the other day but i think that with doug Samuel, there's there's also good examples of him being sort of like ahead of the time for his time you know for like what was going on around him in the culture but then uh in a way that he can't really get any credit for because he's packaged it in such a way that is so rude and so like crass that the people right. who would you know like the example obviously is that he talks about trans people in all of his albums mm-hmm. kind of thing like he goes into yeah. it in detail and uh he 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 has like this line in one of his albums and it must have come out like 2000 or 2001 or something you know like it's like almost 20 years old at this point and he says like uh you know, trans people, they're, they're uh, you know, they're different now. He goes, they build them from scratch now. You don't have to pretend, you don't even have to pretend you were tricked anymore or something like that. Kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and stuff like that where it's like, he's kind yeah. of saying like, he's saying something that like is like sympathetic in a way, right? Right. It's like, I'm going to, I'm saying that like, don't hate these people or whatever and yeah. or whatever. But it's in a way that like, you're never going to be like, okay, he was a comic saying that at a time when. Uh, everyone else was like saying like vicious stuff about like <laughs> if I find out I'll kill them or something. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it's just like uh, so I don't know. I've always found that funny because it's like he's got that good heart there. That's the thing. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean it, that just kind of cuts through like the political kind of garbage around all that kind of stuff and just gets to like the real life of like what what it's like. You know. It's, yeah. it's not about like, oh, well, this is the right thing to say because it respects this group of people or whatever. It's, you know, it's it's sort of uh, more about like the actual reality of. Right. I just wonder, like, what do these people really think? Like, are they actually mad? But genuine people, when they make genuine jokes and you can understand, like guys like Doug Stanhope or, you know, Patrice uh, Norm. They genuinely care about people, and, you, and that comes across in their jokes eventually. Like, there's so much horrible stuff that they'll say, but at the same time, I just wonder, like, how do people not sort of see that? Like, they just focus on, on you know, the more evil side of things, whereas, you know, like, you got to understand that, you know, there's more warmth than everything in the whole overall 
skit or whatever it just it just it just goes missing and it really frustrates me even to this day like i just see people like are so joyless and and whatever it just drives me crazy mm-hmm. we just need a little bit of that who care mentality dave exactly all right should i do my uh number two sure sure hear it okay so like i said i kind of have a number two and a number three uh because I, I felt like I had to go with Dave Chappelle for my other choice here, but, but that's like so obvious. It's kind of like saying like George Carlin or Richard Pryor or something at oh, this yeah. point. But um, I, I don't know. I just really uh, love Dave Chappelle's stand up. I mean, even like his, you know, the show, I, I think that still stands up today. Every once in a while, I'll see a clip from it or whatever. And it's just amazing like that. That is so it's so run into the ground, but it still like works. You know, it still makes yeah. you laugh. Sure. Uh, but I, I I really appreciate what he's doing today too. Um, kind of what I was saying earlier, like it, he's sort of cutting through a lot of just like the kind of yeah. garbage that people are saying. And exactly. um, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's this thing that comedians will say sometimes that I don't think is really true, uh, which is that they. I think Dave actually came out and said exactly this that they they just want to hear from you like they just want to hear what you're thinking and i don't think that's really true i don't think anyone is is really that interested in like like they're not thought leaders you know what i mean they're they're entertainers mm-hmm. but um in the, in the same way that i what i was saying about patrice is i i just always like to hear what dave has to say and i think i share a lot more in common with like worldview and whatnot more than patrice um, mm-hmm. but Dave just makes everything funny and very human. Um, and you can like, you, you've been talking about Dave, like he also has that sort of like very obvious kind of warmth and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, behind everything. It, it's just very clear that he, uh, he's just a, trying to appreciate like the whole of human experience and kind of like put that all together and show like the funny side of everything. And right. yeah, like, you know, like, Going to like the old stuff, like you know, his like me and my buddies will still quote it to each other every day, like you know, the whole um, you know, it's great drink or or you know, you know, all that kind of you know, stuff. And it's just so funny because, like, you know, it's a different culture and he's sort of educating us in culture and you know, like the whole thing about, you know, guys jerking off on the, the bus and stuff like that. And you, you never see that up in Canada or whatever, but, you know, he's so funny and like the, the show is so funny and everybody, you know, quotes it and stuff like that. But you, you get like those once in a lifetime comedians and he's definitely compared to the guys that, you know, uh, like, you know, um, Norm's hilarious and uh, so is Bernie Mac. But Dave Chappelle is like a once in a lifetime guy, kind of like, you know, Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy. Or maybe you would say George Carlin or uh, yeah. uh, whoever else, but like just a once in the lifetime kind of like the funniest person in the world, almost. Yeah, I, I would I would say so. I, I think he's probably up there. He's also sort of like matured over his career too, which is kind of rare in some ways. Where yeah, he uh, you know he's he's taken a different role now in uh, society, even like where he's. He's sort of, he's got this like uh, gravitas to him where he's like, you know, almost like elder statesman kind of thing or something where he's like, okay, here are things that I've seen in the culture 
that I don't understand and I'm confused about and uh, um, I want to talk about in a way that other people aren't or something like that. Yeah. And uh, that's that's very useful, I think. And uh, it's also like uh, it's it's the only way that he can kind of keep growing because, uh, you know, uh, otherwise he would just, you know, like his other earlier albums are, are really funny and, you know, his his sketch stuff is good, but then this is kind of like a new way of doing it. And I think it's interesting also that how much anger that's generating because, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of people uh, don't like that because I don't know, maybe they, they think it's pretentious or something or just like harmful because it's like old man syndrome or something. But I really appreciate it even when it's some yeah. of it is not in terms of like the joke writing and stuff. Sometimes it's not perfect, but like, uh, you know, it's still like the actual parts where he's making like arguments about stuff and um i don't know and like it's just compelling like you just you can't i remember when i watched that 833 thing i went to turn it on and i was like i'm gonna watch like uh um, a few seconds of this or whatever and then maybe watch the rest later i just was basically stood up and yeah. watched the, the whole thing right on way yeah just browse you you've got to finish it man like, yeah he's so intense about it yeah that was a really odd thing to watch because it's still him and using his voice you know even though he's talking about like this really serious stuff yeah uh, so that, that yeah i don't know i i i think compelling is the best word for what he's doing today because uh it's some it's someone worth listening to and uh even when it's not quite on or, or whatever it, it's still like it's very interesting so um Mm-hmm. yeah something really, about just his his goofy voice like saying things that are serious it kind of like strikes me as funny i don't know yeah yeah he's got another great voice but at the same time like you know i don't really like non-funny soliloquies from comics yeah so they don't like that preaching but the 833 or whatever it was called it was you just couldn't turn it off like just the way it came out like the way he yeah. he delivered it it was it was different. I don't know. Um, it was really good. And I think that shows a guy like just like at the apex of his, you know, powers. He understands his voice, his inflection and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. He wanted to get a message out and he got it out. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. Good for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of strikes me as if he's like looking beyond like everyone else is sort of trying to fit some fill some gap or like kind of see where people are and kind of meet them there. And he's sort of like looking above the crowd in a way, like he, he's sort of like yeah. seeing something beyond there. And that, I don't know. You got to support someone who's able to like reach like that and actually make it. I, I don't know. Even if it, it doesn't always land perfectly, you still got to support sure. it. Yeah. Um. So anyway, like the other guy that I had in mind, I felt like Chappelle was kind of obvious. So the other one I had in mind was a comedian. I w- figured I would pick someone who's kind of up and coming a little bit and active today because we've all been picking like dead guys or like <laughs> so, yeah. um, so someone who I really enjoyed his latest special was Mark Normand. Um, I am a big fan of his podcast with Joe List, uh, Tuesdays with Stories. And uh, he's got a really different style from some of the other people we've been talking about. He's very much more of like just like a joke machine. Like um, that that special he did and put it on YouTube, it's like a joke every 20 seconds. 
for the mm-hmm. whole hour. And they're they're pretty much all solid. Like it's like 90% was making me laugh. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, it, it's just really uh kind of like classic good stand up. Um he's got a pretty interesting delivery that it, it's it's not interesting in the way that like Bernie Mac is like very unique. Like he doesn't he he's distinctive but it's not it's not uh, I don't know. I mean, if if you if you know Mark Norman, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, just a really good kind of like joke writing mind. And uh, I guess Jerry Seinfeld has kind of taken him under his wing, and he's been opening for Seinfeld and stuff. So, you know, good for him. Happy to see him kind of rising. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I've heard a few of his his routines, but I haven't really gotten too much into him. But I'll definitely check his podcast out. I'm always looking for sort of you know new funny guys. Um, yeah, watch the special. The special's really good. The podcast is him and Joe List forgetting the words for things a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, if you're into that, that's, I don't know. I, I just like the banter between the two of them, but I, I can see that not being for everybody, but definitely yeah. check out the special. Definitely will. It's, uh, it's funny, like, stand ups getting big in India. And so, like, there's all these weird new stand ups from India coming out. Hmm. And some of, like, some of, like, their stuff is kind of funny, but some of it's, like, pretty pretty bad too but uh there's this kid verdos i think there or Verdos or something like that he's really good you should everybody should check him out like i, I was surprised like i didn't think that uh anybody from india would be that funny but uh definitely interesting that the scene's sort of getting popular there like i i never thought that you know like when you think about stand-up comedy like there's america uh combined with canada there's the english comics there's a few guys from australia and that's that's it but you know these indian guys are sort of getting popular here even it's uh, mm-hmm. different oh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll check that out um yeah so i thought that maybe just to close it off to this this uh, segment on comedy kind of stuff is that uh, there's a lot of good i think that there's been kind of a boom of trying to get content out there for things like netflix or whatever you know like there's it's it's cheap content a lot of the time. It's like documentaries about comedy or comedy yeah. tours and stuff. So they're just, you know, just there's dozens and dozens of them released every year now. So I haven't really been able to wade through a lot of that stuff just because I don't, you know, I don't, it's not the first thing I go to, I guess, a lot of the time. But, you know, there are good documentaries out there that, uh, you know, there's this one about Richard Pryor called Omit the Logic, which Showtime did, I think. Um, and it talks about his like life growing up and stuff. And I really... I, I don't know. I find that it makes it a lot more relevant and sort of like human to me and stuff when you learn a lot of the details of it and stuff and how, you know, it's just great because he, he it talks a lot about him growing up in like extreme poverty basically and then, you know, going through the whole, you know, having all the problems in his life and stuff. Like a really different guy. Like, yeah. Like listening to his specials after he came back from Africa and stuff. Sure. Was yeah. Just really wild. He, uh, you know, and it talks about a lot about that in the thing where it talks about how for a lot of his early career, if you watch him and they, they do a really good job of showing this is that if you watch him on TV in his sort of early performances, he's mimicking Bill Cosby, like just directly, like it's just, yeah, it's just a lot of his early comic stuff is just, and that was because that's how Bill Cosby got on TV was sort of originally was just basically being safe enough that people could trust him to be on there kind of thing i think at some level like in their 
sort of corporate mentality on that kind of stuff. But like, uh, you know, culture changing, but not too fast kind of thing or something. But like, uh, it, it's amazing, though, that he has that pivot point where he just kind of goes, okay, well, I'm just going to start talking like people actually talk. <laughs> and uh, um, that that sort of moment of that, that shift and then how it affected everyone else around him and stuff is really interesting to me. I don't know. Because it's interesting because it's not necessarily like political in a crass kind of like, oh, he said this and then they had Medicare mm-hmm. or something like that. It's not like, it's not, it doesn't connect to like a policy or something directly. It connects to like a sort of freedom and how you talk to people. It's not like a rule or something. It's like just like uh, it, it allowed a lot of comedians to kind of come out and be like, you know, talk about stuff like drugs or race and all this kind of stuff. And um, I don't know. I think that's really, that's interesting to me because, you know, someone like Lenny Bruce kind of runs up against the law a bit more directly and stuff, but it's, it's different in terms of, uh, I don't know. I just, there's something about this whole thing about culture instead of just the politics, like the culture can change. I don't know. So that's interesting to me. Yeah. No, it was definitely interesting. Like, you know, growing up, my parents would love, they loved the Bill Cosby like video. Like the first time it came out, like we, we screened it at our house and everybody loved it. Like, you know, freaking out, laughing, like, you know, all the people in on, in our neighborhood or whoever would come over and watch it with my parents or, and stuff. Like, and they're old Punjabi people, but, like, it hit with them, right? Yeah. And then once you understand, like, how it was crafted for, you know, like, people like that to the suburbs to enjoy it and stuff. And then you see this guy that's, you know, the first time I saw, I heard of um, uh Richard Pryor was seeing him in like either Superman or one of those shitty 80 movies and like yeah. Rooster Millions or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you go back into his comedy and his comedy is just wild and his life story is wild. And he's just this crazy guy or whatever. And it's just, you really sort of, it's, it's just crazy to see like how like, still to this day i think people look at them in the in almost the same light like yeah uh cosby and Pryor, or or even george carlin or or any of those guys from that era yeah that sort of like were the stand-up kings but he was just such a blazing like he, he really was you know like you know the trendsetter or whatever and but it's that's kind of the weird thing about our culture is like so much of, of like their lives get swept under the rug and we just yeah hear the, we just remember the punchlines and that's it yeah um another one that's like a, a good book about this kind of stuff i mentioned before but like uh steve martin wrote a book called born standing up oh and that, um, that's an awesome book yeah it's good it's good because uh again it's one of those things where you kind of see a person grow like it's not just like yeah. it's not but like no, uh definitely you know one of the greats too um Mm -hmm. you know we could you know talk about him as well but but he is definitely one of the greats as you know somebody that grew from you know banjo jokes or whatever to 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 writing these great movies and scripts and everything and he is yeah that that's such a good book and then also interesting because he totally exhausts that role and then kind of has to move on and do something else because he's just like I already, right. you know, he's just he's like for years I started, I think uh, his sort of formula is something like it took eight years for him to come up with his character, four years to start getting the hang of it, two years to be on top of the world, 
you know, two years to something like that, you know, like he kind of yeah. goes through the thing and then two years of being so tired of what he was doing that he wanted to die. And then, uh, you know, then he had to kind of be like, that's enough. I'm moving on or something. So that's interesting too, to me, because it's like a, it's like a whole arc. And then, I mean that, you know, him that being was, so tired of it, you know, either, right? Like, yeah. uh, our cycle goes so fast that yeah. nobody could build a, per, a persona like that sure. and uh, then break it down afterwards. Yeah. And if things go so fast, it's, it's yeah. just so, yeah. And also, I mean, you know, the years when he was exhausted and kind of like done with it was, I think that was be like 84, 83 or something probably, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. like, he's, and he's still alive. So it's like, you know, obviously like, almost half of his life is after that moment. So it's kind of interesting that way too. He's, he's gone yeah. into some interesting directions after that, but, uh, um, you know, getting into art and banjo and all that kind of stuff. So, um, definitely yeah. interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of Steve Martin. Sure. And, um, yeah. And, uh, the other documentary that I thought I'd mentioned just because it's like an interesting, uh, one is with uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Orny Adams called uh, Comedian. Yeah, that's um, an interesting. It's kind of it's in, it's kind of a it's kind of interesting because it's like it shows what like kind of psychos comics are in some ways, kind of thing. You know, like kind of they have their own little subculture, own little expectations for their lives and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, and it like shows them kind of schmoozing and getting insulted and all this other stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I um, really like. Uh, jerry seinfeld like as a person i think he's yeah. very <laughs> i don't know like he doesn't really give a shit about anybody else and that's just really yeah. funny like in a, like he genuinely doesn't care about you know yeah. well you think i'm a you know he says something and people don't like it or whatever i don't know it's a, you know there's a lot of people that i guess kind of have that persona but the way he does it just makes me laugh yeah He's definitely a psycho about his comedy, like in his craft, like, yeah, you know, I guess you'd call that autistic or whatever, but you know, him and Larry David and uh, Howard Stern and stuff like that, they don't care. They just sort of, you know, that's what they want. They, they want to be the best in the world and they're just going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I uh, can appreciate that. You know, like I, I just think that's, I don't know. I like that quality in people. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. And one last thing, I just wanted to say is that today I was reading. I mean, because of this, I, I we were going to talk about this kind of stuff. I was listening to. Uh, there's this guy named uh, Larry Wild, who uh, is sort of he's a comedian and stuff, but he's kind of like, I don't know. He just kind of compiles a lot of stuff. A lot of it is like kind of jokes and all that. He uh, interviewed in the '60s, I guess, um, a lot of uh, top comedians. And they're all on Spotify, all the or or iTunes or whatever, you know, um, his albums of all these interviews, and they include people like Woody Allen, and um, he he asks them. I don't know how long they are. I think it might be like an hour or two hours or something, um, at least. Like they're they're pretty in depth interviews about their comedy writing process and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and they compiled them into books. They're pretty interesting because the writers are all very very charitable to him. Like they they think it's kind of annoying and weird. The questions he's asking, I think at some level, um, because right. he gets into like a lot of detail and like making them really state what they believe on very, very small things, but like whether you can be, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, stuff like he'll ask them, like, do you think you have to be born funny or do you have to like 
I don't know. The, the, it's it's like it's like uh, almost like two hours of the where do you get your ideas from thing from uh, uh, Norm Macdonald or whatever. <laughs> like uh, it's just like it's really really in detail. I don't know. So if anyone's like really into the writing side of it or whatever, I think that that that's cool stuff to kind of wade through uh, because it's like I don't know. It's like uh, check it out for sure. Johnny Carson or something talking for two hours to some guy that's like you know okay, so how long do you think a joke should be or something? And he's like, what the hell are you talking about or whatever? I don't know. It's good. So yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So do you want to do just a few questions, Tom? Do you think? Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, do a few questions here. Um, okay. Let's start with this one. Which ethnic group has the best organized crime? Um, yeah, so I had a, I went, I took like a, a few years ago, I was back in university and I was taking like a class on uh, cities and urbanism and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, I think like a fourth year course or something. It was supposed to be for, you know, people that are focused in this kind of stuff or whatever. And um, uh, a guy, he, there was a guy in my class who was Russian and he was doing like a presentation once and uh, it was supposed to be about like an issue in urbanism or something. And what he did was he played a video that was basically like why Black Lives Matter is wrong that was put out by a police association. And that was like his presentation. He was like, here's a video I found online about this. Anyways, one day he said to us that, uh, um, you know, we were talking about like crime or something like that. And then he was explaining to us why Russians um, would much rather set up car accidents to pretend that they're uh, injured. And like he said, that was like one of the main ways that like Russians make money in Toronto. And he was like, and he was like, it was kind of funny because he was like claiming that like his own ethnic group was uh, all criminals. He was like, no, 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 this is just the way it works. We're Russian. We uh, we would prefer crime to uh, actual jobs. Like he just, and it was kind of funny because uh, the professor who's, I, I love, the professor's great. She was just kind of like, uh, well, I guess maybe in, the, she, like everyone was kind of like not knowing what to do. And she was kind of like, well, uh, maybe in the future we can do a class about uh, stereotyping and then just moved on. <laughs> it was like, that was like her solution to the him being like, oh, no, no, Russians are very intrinsically criminal or something. And I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. So I'll go with him. I'll always go to like the Yakuza, I guess, because they haven't been like totally cocked, like the mafia got cocked in America. So uh I I feel like they still like run stuff in Japan, but I don't know. I haven't really looked into it too much. Yeah, I think you got to give it to the Russians in terms of who is kind of winning that game. I think oh, they yeah. kind of took things over. They're um, kind of the mafia in America now. Yeah, um, I mean, there's also a kind of an interesting thing about organized crime in Israel and however you want to kind of define that. They're all Russian. Yeah, right? Like, because there's a lot of connections yeah. to different uh, other nations and stuff where that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that's just an interesting kind of intersection there. But I think in terms of who's my favorite, I think I got to go with, I mean, also, I, I should say the the Mexicans deserve a shout out here for the cartels. I mean, they basically took over the whole country mm-hmm. at this point. So there's something to be said for that, but I'm going to go with Albanians just cause they seem like the craziest ones. Whenever you hear like a crazy story about like mafia guys or whatever, it's always mm-hmm. like some Albanian twins with knives or something that like, mm-hmm. you know, just like 
rob a bank and like you know just swim with a bag full of money through a river or whatever i don't know that, that's uh kind of old school and fun so i'll go with albanians cool um all right all right what do you think of david graber a lot of people are talking about him now that he died recently uh so i'll kick this one off i uh i, I read his book debt and i enjoyed it a lot uh, it's not like the most well-evidenced piece of history ever or anything like that, but it's just kind of an interesting read, and I appreciated a lot of the kind of like props that he gives to Muslims for figuring out a way to make credit work in a way that isn't like financially exploitive and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool reading. I don't have any knowledge. He's pretty who care to me, like... I think people read too many of those kind of books. They should probably read more uh, fiction. <laughs> okay, but uh, <laughs> but uh, well, some um, people would argue that debt is fictional. So, yeah. Don, Don especially, I, I think he needs to get more into fiction and politics. Okay, I accept that criticism, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, no, no, I really liked, uh, you know, I read fragments of a anarchist anthropology or something when it came out, and uh, I really, uh, that really, I enjoyed that because he just, I don't know, he seemed like a, a, a nice sort of like thinking things through from a very abstract base level kind of thing instead of uh, going along with the culture. You know, he spent a lot of time, I guess, in Mozambique, and he was saying that like, he would say stuff like, uh, you know, how the government basically didn't exist to people like they thought it was just like some random thing that came into your village ever so often and like barked orders or something like that but had no real relationship to their lives and stuff and i think that's important because i think a lot of americans uh, assume that their sort of system of government exists everywhere uh in a very straightforward way and if it doesn't it's just there but like worse in some way kind of thing you know like uh if they imagine china or something it's just American government, but like not democratic or something. And it's like, you know, pe people are so different in a lot of places that like, it's like, uh, I don't know. I think that's interesting. He also wrote a book that's like 700 pages about him being embedded in like a group that dressed as clowns for a direct action protest. And, uh, if he's that, you know, he's willing to write a, that kind of book. Um, that shows that he's not like going for cheap fame or something. I kind of think, you know, like, it's not like, uh, he wasn't really, he, he was in demand as a writer, but like, it was also like, he just kind of, uh, did things that he thought were interesting and stuff. So I think that's cool. And he got extremely angry online all the time and blocked <laughs> did, about, didn't he interact with you at some point? Yeah. At one time, uh, he said that, uh, he had like a thing in his book where he said that like no social movement has been ever created by a PhD except for Marxism. So then I, I said to him that like, uh, um, I said to him that he created the second one when he invented Occupy Wall Street. And then he was like, he was like, I did not invent it. Please don't say that. Or, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. He, uh, he, there was like an account called Anarchy Dad, which would just be like making muffins and anarchy or something, you know, like stuff like that. Like just, and it was like making fun of him just as like a, it wasn't even really making fun of him directly. It was just kind of like, you know, it was like in your face. You know, I'm Anarchy Dad. Anyways, he went through the follows list and blocked every single person. Um, oh, wow. Because, and he was like, 
he would get yeah and he would name search a lot and stuff so i don't know you got to respect that so yeah yeah um all right how about we do this one in honor of crusader kings 3 coming out which i've been spending all of my waking hours playing uh what do you guys think your job in medieval society would be probably peasant but you can be more creative so yeah with the with the caveat that you know just statistically speaking obviously most people were peasantry so let's put that aside and just kind of hope for the best and be optimistic what, what would our jobs in medieval society be i would definitely be like a priest of some sort i would join um the seminary or i would yeah uh or be like a you know guru or something like that i got too much of a rap i, I couldn't be held down I think I could be, I could get into like a theologian sort of a role, you know, like obviously that's a very slim part of the population, all that kind of thing. That's for nobility, but I could see myself kind of, uh, doing well in a role like that, where it's just about like spurging out on texts and having debates with other nerds and stuff about things that nobody can prove. I think that would be fun. Um, I think I'd be kind of similar where I, but I would be like a Dominican friar, but like, uh, I would be kicked out. Like I wouldn't be part of the group anymore. I wouldn't be allowed to, like, I would, I would kind of sleep in through the prayers and stuff. And so I would sort of, I would live in like, kind of like a mud hut sort of near the, the seminary. I mean, near the like, um, Abbey or whatever, you know, like I would just sort of, uh, live there and I, they would like take pity on me and give me food and I would like pray sometimes and stuff. I think that would be it. That would be, uh. Um, we always sort of shit about being a surf, but wouldn't that be kind of nice? Like when you think about it, like you just you just sort of do whatever, and you're you don't have any expectations, and yeah, as long like, as there's no war going on, I, yeah. I think it would be pretty nice. Like it's really the yeah. the war that kind of messes things up, right? But even then, I mean, a lot of the wars and stuff, it was more like, did you hear that the king and like fifty guys that he knows. Uh, went and fought some people and we just kind of hang out here kind of thing i don't know well, unless right. it's like a peasant rebellion or something yeah well so. unless it less like you have like the army yeah. comes through your land is what i mean like you don't <laughs> okay. want to be yeah, dealing yeah. with that kind of sure. thing because then they yeah. just you know have their way with uh your your crops and your women kind of a thing modern life is just too stressful like i'm sitting here and our air is disgusting it's probably like the worst air and in the world pretty much uh, because of the fires and you're like thinking like, Oh my God, climate change and all that kind of crap. Modern life is just way too stressful. Yeah. I guess like the difference is that like in medieval times you had to like read about the apocalypse and you thought it was coming like 10 years from now or something. You were terrified of it, but (laughs) now we're like actually living through it and it's just sort of like half assed (laughs) and boring and stuff. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just to check, how, I mean, how are things there? Like, I I had assumed that the fires weren't really spreading through Canada, but, like, it's, like, it's just it, the smoke is, right? So is that what's yeah, happening? all so. Washington and Oregon, and just the way the wind's blowing, we're getting sure. it all. Yeah. Um, is it is it enough, like, I know people in L.A. that are just, like, bedridden, basically, because they can't, they can't, like, uh, function, but it's not that bad, is it, or is it just... Um, imagine it would probably be close to that if it stays for a few more days. Like, okay, okay. Only been like 
two solid days of this. So like, sure. uh, we wake up and it smells like a campfire though, uh, everywhere. So yeah. it's been two solid days. If it goes for a few more days and people will be suffering. Sure. Um, uh, is there any chance that the fire is going to spread to you guys? Like, is it, is it that, is, is I don't it, that, so. it can't go that far? I don't no. know how that works or like, it's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Stay safe. I don't know. We're, <laughs> we're pulling for you guys but more than the americans obviously like I don't, yeah you know, whatever happens to them is like sort of a bed that they've uh set themselves so uh they just... <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um all right this one says should i become a black man um i don't, I don't know what that process would be but let's just assume he's got it figured out is there surgery for that now? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, let's just assume he's got it figured out, and let's let's uh, talk about whether that's a good idea or not. It's I think not. that it might be a little bit. Uh, I don't know your your insurance rates and stuff might go up. Maybe pick something a little bit uh, easier way into it. Maybe go kind of like Filipino or something like that. Something that. Uh, can ease your way into the POC lifestyle and then see how it feels and then maybe move on to the, you know, if you want to go all the way, you can make that decision later, I assume. And you got to do it very early so that people will understand Like you've got a whole history of being a white guy up until this time. Yeah. So how do you erase that? It's impossible. Um, I was imagining that they would like greet him at the hospital all nice and everything and being like, oh, you know, welcome and being all like helping them and preparing them and stuff but then as soon as they're done the surgery they're like you know you're not getting any pain medication get out of here or whatever you know so <laughs> <laughs> handle it <laughs> they're, they're, imagine there's like a hospital that is doing this and it's not like any surgical procedure it's just like a nurse comes in with some shoe polish and a brush <laughs> yeah okay speaking of those fires and stuff uh Someone said, do you think the fires on the West Coast could be the work of several or perhaps only a single gin? There have been a few signs that people have noticed, and it's worth reading up on. Uh, I tend to take the position of skepticism about gin activity, and unless it can be kind of demonstrated that there's no reason to think otherwise, I'm going to say that I, I doubt that there's gin involved. I think uh, I think we screw things up for ourselves pretty well on our own that we don't need to blame gin for things they have their own thing exactly. going on there's enough evil there's enough re retardation and evilness in the world that we don't need to blame it on gin that's just it's just your bros like it's some retard who is driving down the highway and threw a cigarette out the window yeah you know, people are too uh, lax with that kind of stuff yeah and uh, there's a follow-up question here. Is it true that one can see the smoke from Chicago? Um, well, I couldn't tell you because I haven't been outside since it started. So I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, uh, Dave. That was fun. And was um, I love coming on and talking to you guys. We're all bros. And uh, I'll try and come on uh, again soon. we got to talk. We'll figure out something else. Yeah, we got a lovely message the other day from someone saying, please have Big Dave on again more. And, yeah, people um, love Big Dave. So, Appreciate uh, it. We love it. I'm going to start so. smoking, though, so my voice gets cooler. 
Yeah, raspy and all that. So, That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Sure. Take I, a I shot a, before. Yeah, I definitely got a nerdy voice, so I'm going to start smoking, I think. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll, we'll check in with you next time. You, you start smoking a pack a day and we'll see how it changes. Okay. All right. See you guys. All right. See, see you, Dave. Have a good night. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you'd like a second episode of You Can't Win every week, you can subscribe to our Patreon for that. And you will also get access to our Discord where you can chat with us in our community. Uh, don't forget that we also have a curious cat where you can send in those anonymous questions that we answer at the end of the episode. And that is pinned to the Twitter account of the podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next week.